from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM Channel 132. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in sunny Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. Dream Team is in the studio in Philly today. Michelle and Dion taking your calls right this second. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So get in the queue. We want to hear from you. We are live on Thursdays, and we are here for you to answer all of your job search and career questions. Or hey, maybe you've got advice or a tip, or maybe you are a brave soul who wants to do an on-air mock interview. We love doing those. It's one of the best ways to prepare, because if you can nail it in front of hundreds of thousands of people, you're definitely going to nail it in that job interview. So 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So hey, if you're not following me on Twitter, at Dr. Don Graham. And guess what? I'm also on Instagram. So if you would like to see what goes on behind the scenes here in the studio, I'm posting lots of pictures of Michelle and Dion and all the fun stuff that we do to bring this show to you on Sirius XM 132 each week. So today, very excited to have a crowd favorite back in studio live. Here is Raymond Lee. He is the founder and CEO of Career Minds, which is a virtual outplacement company launched in 2008 with over 18 years of human resource, outplacement, and career consulting experience. Raymond pioneered the concept of virtual outplacement, and we're very excited to have him back on the show. Welcome, Raymond. Hey, Don. Great to be here. Excited to have you here, and I want to kind of dive right in because, you know, there's been a lot of stuff in the news Lately, we're at the 10-year mark of the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. So so I'm, I'm curious, as somebody who's been in outplacement and, and started your company at that you know 10-year mark, what do you see has changed since that time in the, in the job market, with job seekers, with companies hiring? So what, what are the things that, that are still lingering, and what are some of the things that we're emerging out of? Well, I will tell you, since 10 years, I remember in 2008 when we would get participants through outplacement as a result of a layoff, I remember it was like six months was the national average in terms of someone getting back to work. And today at 3.8 unemployment, people are getting back to work in about 12 weeks. So it's definitely an employee's market in terms of employees or job seekers have the leverage when it comes to finding a job. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I found interesting is that over the last 10 years, the biggest debt that job seekers have accumulated is education. And I think that's really interesting today because at 3.8% unemployment, People should be thinking about how can I advance myself? So they're really starting to take that education and make it work in the workplace. So I would say people are finding jobs faster and people should be really thinking about how can they build value within their company and also make more money. Like that's what people really want, right? That's why we work. Some of us work for meaning though, right? Yeah. 
Maybe. <laughs> as, as a CEO of a company, I'm assuming you work for meaning. Um, but I want to talk about a lot of people I know after 2008 felt like they got behind in their career. So I've, I've heard that a lot, that they felt like maybe they couldn't get the jobs they wanted or they had to take a part-time job or maybe they had to pay, take less pay. And, and people are telling me they're not feeling like they've recovered from that. Are you seeing that? Yeah, I think the 3.8 unemployment is is understated, or maybe I should say overstated, that there is still a lot of underemployment, that people have had to take jobs that, you know, just to pay the bills, to be able to take care of their family. So I think, you know, we're starting to see people come out of that. Um, so absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think, too, um, there's there's two things that I wanted to, to talk about in terms of policies that I think are going to help that. Not immediately, but one, we're seeing more and more states get rid of the, the uh, you can ask about somebody's current salary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be great. And I know that's an effort to kind of level out the the pay for for genders and all this stuff. But I also think it can really help people who maybe felt like they got behind with the Great Recession. So find out if you're listening, if you're, com- if you're sorry, your state is one of those states where they're not able to any longer legally ask you what your current salary is. Um, We can talk about ways around that, too, if you're not in one of those states. But another thing that I find really interesting, Raymond, is that there's a lot of articles coming out now about companies dropping a requirement to have a four-year degree. So so that was something that I think a lot of companies, once the job market shifted 10 years ago in 2008, they they upskilled. So all of the jobs now required more skills, and they were trying to, to get as much as they could out of employees. But now we're seeing the shift because there's a shortage specifically in technology. So this is really good news for job seekers. Absolutely. Well, so the other thing I was thinking about is it has been 10 years. And if you look at the stock market over the last, say, 30 or 40 years, there's usually some not necessarily full-blown recession that we saw in 2008, but you see some industry that has you know, some blip. And I would tell people, don't get comfortable because analysts are saying next year in 19 or even 20, there is going to be some market correction. And I remember back in 2008 when we were coaching people to find jobs, I always heard people say, geez, I wish I would have started my networking three years three years ago because it's truly what helps you find a job. So what I would tell people is don't get comfortable today. Get out there, join associations, start networking because there's going to be something that's going to come in a couple of years and you want to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Raymond Lee, who is the CEO of Career Minds. And we're talking about the, the leftovers from the 2008 recession and how things have changed since then and where they're going. So, hey, if you've got any stories about that or maybe you feel like you've been um, you know, left behind and you want to catch up on salary or maybe you had to take a demotion and now you want to catch up, we are here to help you all hour long if it's Thursday noon Eastern, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So networking, of course, is is something I think that people just need to suck it up and make it a part of their life, Raymond. I mean, this is not optional anymore because what we know is that there's so much information out there and no matter how many jobs are showing up online or how many algorithms are out there trying to match you, 
The people who are getting hired are the people who are known candidates. So they're referred. Maybe they applied before and kept the relationship. Maybe they are a somebody they worked with previously in another company that they poached. These are the people getting the jobs. Yep. And that's what you're seeing in your business? Well, so the other aspect of the networking is understanding how you your value out in the marketplace. So when you're out there, you're networking with people, you know what they're doing, you're finding out exactly where you fit. And so it's beyond just networking and building a network. So you have the safeguard if you lose a job, but it's sort of knowing where you fit in in your industry. Mm -hmm. And constant reinvention, I think, is something else we talk about on this show. So so networking, making that a part of your life, but also, and you, you alluded to this, Understanding the skills are changing at warp speed these days. So what another thing I'm finding is that companies aren't necessarily as concerned about your title or the the jobs you've had if they're looking at you as an individual versus these algorithms. But what they want are people who are agile, people who are self-starters, people who can come in and figure it out because the job you apply for today might look different two years from now. And they need people who can shift with those changes. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of companies create talent marketplaces in their business um, where they're posting projects for people to sign up for just as a way to stretch themselves beyond the scope that they're doing in their current role. Um, It's just a great way for people to get exposure into other areas. And it's really, you know, goes in hand with the gig economy in terms of you know, getting work done that's beyond just the typical. So they're sort of building some meaning and purpose into jobs, but also allowing employees to stretch themselves beyond just what they're doing in their day-to-day routine. Yep. And I want to talk about that um, in just a minute. I want to talk about how companies can hire better because what we're, we're hearing about are these shortages now, especially around technology and programmers. And yet every commercial I see either online or, or in the media is about, you know, get millions of candidates and we'll do this algorithm and we'll match you to a job and we'll, we'll get you know you to the right people. But I, these algorithms are so impersonal and hiring is so personal. It's about humans. And so we're moving towards this technology-based hiring and we're getting, get, getting away from the human process. And I think we can be doing better. But hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 132. We're here with Raymond Lee, the CEO of Career Minds. If you have a question or advice, we'd love to hear from you. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Sherelle in Washington. Welcome to the show, Sherelle. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> What's on your mind today? Oh, my What's on my mind is um, I just turned 40 years old, August 22nd, and, uh, you know, I was the job market and the whole, like, economy shift, as you guys are talking about, the Great Recession, and I want to go back to school and finish my degree, but I went to a school in Daytona Beach, Florida, um, and at the time, 1996, you know, I'm a freshman in school, there was no programs for inclusion, no programs to bring all the students together and to kind of, you know, like a melting pot so it's like my um memory of school is so like i don't can say it's that negative but it's pretty negative it wasn't a pleasant experience and i ended up leaving you know like a year and a half in and as soon as i, was, I left school i was recruited by xerox you know and like i, I study japanese it's almost like a second language to me and i come to washington i'm able to find a decent job 
right off the bat with the same resume. But if I go to a state like, say, North Carolina or Florida or Oklahoma, the only job I could get was at a grocery store. You know what I mean? So yeah. I would like to know if the gentleman thinks that school, college for adults, especially African-American men, um, is it something that's a little bit more inclusive if it's not a, a historically black college or is kind of like is it depend on where you sit in, depends on your success, you know, when you're in school as an adult? Yeah, and Sherelle, we're going to have Raymond answer in Japanese because... Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out, actually. No, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, 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 just, I was very impressed with very that. Very impressive. So, yes, happy birthday, mm-hmm. too. Um, but he, oh, thanks. Yeah, tell us... Um, 40 is a great age, if I remember it well. Um, tell us what you do, Sherelle. Um, um, so I found my, I, I work for the school district here at the Edmond School District. I work in the IT department. Um, basically, all the children here have a, a Chromebook or a laptop that is given to them by the school, and I'm just there to make sure that that computer and technology is up and running as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So if there's any kind of an issue, um, it can kind of uh, bring that kid, you know, at a, at, a, at a stop, which can bring them behind. So I'm on site to make sure that all the technology is up and running uh, as much as possible. Perfect. So, so I'm contributing to you are you're contributing to the future, and working with youth mm-hmm. is is so noble. So so here's the thing. So you're asking a question. Should I go back? And the other part of the question is, I I, I need to have a better experience than I had. So I think I think the second part is going to be easier because I think there's so many ways to obtain your degree these days, whether it's online, whether it's kind of a hybrid program, whether it's a program that, you know, you, you're getting credits. And there's just so many ways for adults to go back to school and have a good experience. So the question becomes, should you? Well, I, and I was just thinking, I'm here walking down Penn, and I was saying to myself, geez, I'm like, you know, mid to late 40s, and I'm surrounded by all these kids. You know, what would it be like if I came back to school? So mm-hmm. I hear the you know, the uncomfortableness in your voice. Uh, but as Dawn was saying, there's definitely a lot of programs online uh, that really cater to adult learners. And in some cases, companies just, they do want someone that has the college de- degree. And and depending on the kind of role that you're looking for, you know, it's it's a matter of just getting it. And so you may not need to go to a traditional school to do that. Yeah, I think a lot of companies just want to check the box, Cheryl. And we were talking about this a few minutes ago. I was doing some research before the show. Um, Glassdoor just posted an article about all of these companies, specifically in technology, who are are moving away from the four-year degree requirement because what they're realizing is, you know, especially if you have a degree in, in computer science, I mean, by the time you graduate from me, half the things you learned are not relevant. That's how mm-hmm. quickly technology is moving. And they started to realize that having this this box to tick wasn't getting them the right talent. So Google, Apple, um, Hilton, Bank of America, IBM, Home Depot, all of these companies are dropping that requirement and they're looking for people who have applied experience. They're looking for people who have accomplishments they can speak to 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 get into those companies. So I think one, I think you're going to have a lot of opportunity because the tide is really shifting this year and you're going to be able to get in the door of a lot of places that maybe there were barriers to entry before and that's one. But two, to, to Raymond's point, I mean, things change just as rapidly. So we don't know three, five years from now the, the pendulum is going to swing back and having that degree will give you the peace of mind that if that pendulum does swing back, you have that. Mm. But, but I think one, you shouldn't let not having it hold you 
you back now. And then two, I do think completing that degree, perhaps online, if that's something that that you find a program that fits with your with your needs is going to be great because you can do it on your own time. And you could be getting that applied experience while you're doing it, which which right now and is is all the rage. That's what they want. Yep. I would agree to that. Wonderful. So thank you guys. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, happy birthday. And you've, you've, uh, you've, Raymond's now flipping through the internet looking at Japanese programs here at Penn. So you've, you've maybe encouraged him to, to broaden hey, his horizons. Too. So I'm a Leo too. So we're in good company. <laughs> okay, we have no idea what you just said, but the show is PG 13. So hopefully it was clean. Thank you so much, Cheryl. We really appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Hey, if you want to ask us a question or you have, an insight on the Great Recession and what, what companies should be doing to hire better, how job seekers can catch up if they feel like they've gotten behind. We want to hear from you, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. Of course, we always love to do on-air mock interviews as well. So if you've got an interview coming up and you want to prepare, here's the place to do it. You'll get two people giving you great feedback um, live on SiriusXM 132. Hey, so... So, Raymond, um, I do want to talk about this for a second because the term that's coming out now is new-collar jobs. So it's no longer blue-collar, white-collar. It's new-collar jobs. And there's a stat that kind of was astounding that one million programming jobs will be unfilled by 2020. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, obviously not everybody's cut out to do programming and not everybody's interested in it. But it, but it is mind-boggling. But if you think about it with... Uh, artificial intelligence and, and robots and all these mechanics taking over all kinds of different jobs, it makes sense that programmers are going to be in need. And also, interestingly, 55% of hiring managers in a survey said that the most important thing is not a degree. It's this applied experience. Mm-hmm. It's getting applied experience. And so so there's a lot of places that people who are interested in technology can go to get this applied experience. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a four-year degree. And in some cases, it may not be the best opportunity. I mean, you can go online. There's there's, um, there's a lot of places like uh, uh, coding boot camps, like Hack Reactor, Lighthouse Labs, Launch Academy, where you can build these skills and then apply them and get in the door of some of these major companies. Yeah. Companies right now are sitting on, a, I read recently, $2.5 trillion in cash that they're spending this year. And one of the challenges that CEOs and HR depart- HR professionals are facing is reskilling their workforce. Mm-hmm. And AT and T recently announced that they're spending a billion dollars on reskilling these programmers and IT types of positions, just to be able to meet the demands of the technology digital, digital transformation that we're experiencing. They've recognized that it's more cost effective to retrain their internal employees and make that investment versus lay them off and then go outside and hire them. So I'm actually really uh, in, you know, encouraged by the fact that the corporate world has recognized that and they're reinvesting back into their people. Yeah, I think they're going to have to because they're going to realize with this shortage growing that if they're not going to train them, they're going to be they're going to be SOL. Right. Yep. They're going to have to go out and hire people that are learning it outside, which is, you know, you've been a recruiter. You know what it's like, what the cost to hire is, cost to train. It's actually a lot less expensive for you to retrain. People already know the culture and know how the, you know, all the, all the interactions, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, if you're out there and you're experience, experiencing a hiring shortage, 
and trying to find new candidates. Give us a call and let us know some of the, the creative ways that you are sourcing these candidates because I do think that, that we're going to be moving away from Indeed and all of these online and we're going to have to be more creative, Raymond, to get the right people into these chairs. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are live. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So, Raymond, let's talk about some of the ways that companies can do a better job hiring and job candidates can do um, a better job getting in front of these decision makers because I get online works to a limited extent and we're not telling people to just shut off their computer but there there are better ways to find jobs I mean we know if you get a, if you get an interview through a referral there's a one in three shot you're going to get that job where if you get an interview through any other means like applying online now you've got a one in ten shot I mean those are very very different odds. Mm-hmm. So, so how can can job seekers get in front of the decision makers without going through online? Well, I think the spray and pray strategy is definitely one that doesn't work. And that's that, say that again. The spray and pray. All right. So that's blasting your resume. I, I tell you, some people. <laughs> it's like what? Well, it's uh, it's crazy because people will say I applied to a hundred jobs. They used a single resume. They threw it out there, probably 100 different jobs, and they say, no one called me back. And I'm like, duh, you know, that's not the approach that you should be taking. Uh, maybe you'll get one or two callbacks, but, you know, I, I feel like leveraging your network, leveraging your contacts, say, through a LinkedIn, finding out where your former coworkers are working, and really trying to get your resume in front of the hiring manager first, and then use the application as sort of like, okay, that's a formality. You know, don't start with the networking, get yourself in there. A lot of times there's jobs that are unpublished that you potentially may not even know about that just making that phone call or making that connection through LinkedIn could lead to an opportunity. So um, definitely I'm not a fan of the spray and pray. Yeah. Always be looking for opportunities is my thought. Always be looking. It's kind of like this might not apply to you, Raymond, but here's the thing. When you need a formal dress for an occasion, you can never find one. You can never find one. You just you can't find one that fits. You can't find one that's that's, you know, I know that all too. well. No, I well, (laughs) yeah, I wasn't going to say that on air, but but when you see the dress that fits, even if you don't have the occasion, that's when you need to buy it. Right. Because then you put it in your closet. When that occasion comes, you have it. So it's kind of the same concept. Like you need to to get it when you have the opportunity. So if you have the opportunity to go to a reunion, you have the opportunity to to go to a, a barbecue, a retirement party. If you have the opportunity to stand next to somebody at the, the soccer game and, and chat them up and learn more about them, you need to be taking advantage of all these opportunities so that you're, they're in your closet when you need to go to that job search. That's my that's my advice. Well, and I so I was thinking of a gas tank. So not not the dress route, but you know, y- your gas tank is either full or empty. And so as you're meeting people, making connections, you're filling up that gas tank to where it's full. You want to keep it full all the time because you just never know where that next opportunity could be. How do you like that? <laughs> Um, good. I'm going to top that one with um, how about charging your phone? Like I don't like to get my phone like below 80 percent. So so it could be just like keeping your phone charged at 90 percent. There you go. <laughs> OK. I think people get it. I think they get I, it. I think too. they do. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 11. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Raymond Lee. And we're going to go to Lily in California. Hi, Lily. Hi, Dr. Don. How are you? Good. How are you, Lily? 
great. Thanks. Um, let me also just say that I'm reading your book. Um, oh. I really love it. It's incredibly helpful. So everyone out there, buy the book. Oh, Lily, and that is not planned. Switchers, how smart professionals change careers and see success. It is on shelves. And Lily, I'll tell you, I... I poured my heart and soul into this. This is like all of my best advice on how to switch careers. So I'm so thrilled that that you have it and that you're finding it helpful because that is my whole point of putting this book together. So thank you. Um, how can we help you today, Lily? Uh, well, I think I fall into the category of a switcher. Um, I'm an attorney and I'm making a transition to focus on data privacy and um, that does have interplay between the law and the technology world. So um, my current roles um, relate more a little bit to healthcare and HIPAA privacy, but I'm trying to now make this transition and running into a lot of dead ends because positions on LinkedIn um, and indeed and other websites really just point to that unicorn candidate that has 10 years focused in this one area. Um, I've got a lot of transitional and um, transferable skills, but I don't have that exact experience right now. So mm-hmm. my question is about making that leap. Yes. So so your attorney, you want to move into tech, you're seeing these requirements online. So a couple of things I want to I want to highlight because I think it's important. And one here, when people write job ads to put online, I, I don't think for many companies they put as much thought into it as they should, which is why they end up with with things that they're not even talking about in the interview or you're not even measured in your performance once you get there. So so I think one, we have to take those with a grain of salt. Two, what we know is that that men will apply to jobs when they're about 60% qualified. Women need to be 100% qualified. So I, I'm saying this because when you're looking at the jobs, it might be, it, you might be psyching yourself out that I don't have the skills that they're looking for. But in reality, what companies want are people who can come in, get the job, done, make the boss look good, and increase the bottom line. And if you can do that, it doesn't matter if you have 10 years of tech experience. I always say that when people ask for 10 years of whatever, 10 years of sales experience. What if I was the worst salesperson ever, but I've been doing it for 10 years, and one of these days I'm really hoping I can improve. They don't want me. They want the person who maybe had no experience but could come in there and sell you water from a tap. So so one, think about yourself in terms of can I do this job and how can I demonstrate that to them without worrying about these boxes that they want to check? So I think that's step one. Raymond, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I was going to take it one step further, include that. That was great, by the way. That's why we work well together. Yeah, no, I think that was fantastic. Um, I was just saying, I was thinking that there's things in your job that could be tech related. It may not necessarily be exactly what the company's looking for in their job description, but I would really just think about what what can I do in my job that could get me some experience or some exposure, but then also join a, a you know tech related networking associate or an association where you can do some networking, learn from others, and maybe there's an opportunity for you to volunteer and and learn in various ways, but. I think if you can show your capability of learning very quickly, to Dawn's point, I'd rather hire that salesperson who has no sales experience but has a ton of ambition and willingness to learn than to hire someone who 
is a horrible salesperson, personally. Mm-hmm. And it's about being hungry, and people want to hire hungry people. So if they hire somebody with 10 years of tech experience who's like, la, la, yeah, I'm going to get another tech job, I would hire the hungry person over that person Absolutely. every time. But let's talk about these transferable skills, because I'm curious, Lily, um, are you presenting yourself as a lawyer, as an attorney, first? Um, in some positions, they are looking for privacy counsel. So if it's appropriate, I will. In others, if they're looking more for um, privacy officer or compliance, I'm changing my resume to point to the other skills that I think relate to the position, um, whether that's you know, contract review. Um, I'm also a certified privacy professional. Um, and then also the other privacy-related um, assignments that I have had that do transfer over to the current role. I think where I'm running into a barrier oftentimes is with the electronic application systems that are just looking for certain keywords or the actual recruiters internally themselves that may be looking for that, like I said, unicorn candidate versus someone that does have transferable skills. Um, yes. And I've, I've gone so far to, you know, engage on LinkedIn with recruiters um, or speak directly with them, but they're, the positions are still up and I'm getting tossed over. So, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. I used to be a recruiter. Bypass the recruiter. You have to bypass the recruiter. And, and this is why, um, and no offense to recruiters out there because I, I was one. Here's what we, we do. Um, I, as a recruiter, my my job is to put qualified people in front of my hiring manager, and I'm getting measured on, on certain things. And if I'm worried, because I don't really understand the job as well as the hiring manager does, and I'm looking for keywords and titles and years of experience because I don't really understand what a what a privacy lawyer does. You know, I'm just sitting here trying to get the best candidates. So... I'm not going to put you in front of them because you don't have the the things I can check off my box and I don't want to look bad in front of the hiring manager. Now, a hiring manager recognizes transferable skills. A hiring manager recognizes that you might not have all the boxes, but you have these intangibles that he or she can't get in maybe a candidate who checks all the boxes. So I think that's one. On LinkedIn, try and get to the person hiring or try and get to somebody in that department. And we're lucky to live in in an age where it's easier to get in contact with those people than ever before. And the other thing I will say is online is just not going to be your friend because we were talking earlier about these algorithms and these these matching systems and applicant tracking systems that are really looking for keywords or they're asking you questions like, do you have at least five years in this experience? And of course you have to say no. But again, that's not what they want. They don't want five years in the experience. They want somebody who can do the job. Um, they don't know how else to ask it. So they use these formulaic questions. But if you can get to the hiring managers through your network, people who know you're fantastic at your job, you're reliable, you're a quick learner, you are um, hungry to do this, and they can put you in touch with the hiring managers, those people are going to see your value. Right. I and I would say the other thing is you want to close for a phone interview. So you may be overwhelmed with the fact that I need, I really want a job in this new field. But if you take it one step at a time and just tack on what Dawn was saying by thinking about, just give me the opportunity for a phone interview. I mean, really, why? If I was a hiring manager and someone that you know, was connected to me came and said, hey, you have this job. I have this really awesome candidate that I really think you should talk with. Mm-hmm. And they do an introduction or pass it along. 
I mean, what's a 30-minute phone interview? And that's where you, Lily, have your opportunity to shine. Yeah, I think once you get in front of them, Lily, you're going to show them that you are the perfect candidate. I mean, you probably have a ton of examples where you had no experience or walked into an ambiguous situation and you just nailed it. You throw a couple of them at a hiring manager, that's what you're going to get. So, yeah. So here's the thing to, to sum up with Raymond said. Forget the policies. Forget applying online. Forget the no phone calls, please. Go around all of those. Go around those. Because when you get in front of that hiring manager, they're going to be like, you are the person we need. And that's where you're going to land the job. Lily, I'm so excited for you. Um, we're rooting for you. Calls back. Let us know how it goes. Thank you so much for, for endorsing my book switchers. We really appreciate that. And hey, we got to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a Quiz. Okay, here we go. Research shows that over 60% and possibly up to 90% of a first impression is based on this. Up to 90% of a per- first impression is based on this. And I'll give you a hint. It's a it's visual. It's something you can see. If you think you know, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Business Radio Brief. You're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Two reasons to leave a job, in my opinion. One is because you're running from something, and the other is you're running to something. You're going to be much more successful if you're running to something, something that you're excited about, there's something you're interested in, because you're going to be able to sell yourself better. Your transferable skills would be very applicable to another career once you figure out what that career is. Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School.
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brown. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School Series XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We are here with crowd favorite Raymond Lee, who is the founder and CEO of Career Minds, a virtual outplacement company launched in 2008. And Raymond, where can people find you? Um, so definitely on LinkedIn. I would say anyone who's listening, connect with me. I'm happy to help anywhere I can. Uh, or careerminds.com. We have a Facebook page, Twitter, all that good stuff. Facebook page, Twitter. What's your What's your Twitter? HR Entrepreneur. Yeah, I wanted you to say that because I will say, I gladly, we'll put that in. But that is the longest Twitter handle ever. It's changed a couple of times. It has. <laughs> it's a good, well, and now that we're up to, I think, what two eighty characters, yeah. it's not a problem for me anymore. But I will say, early in our relationship, that was a problem mm-hmm. for me. So Twitter. Nice. Nice. <laughs> You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 132. And hey, let's answer our pre-break quiz. Research shows that over 60% and possibly up to 90% of a first impression is due to this. Hint, it's something visual. So, Raymond, it's not your smell, as you said, over the break. But I'm going to get a deal. <laughs> well, I was with Raymond because I was, I was thinking Thank you, Dion. <laughs> I appreciate so, the so, love. So I was I was close with where he was. I, I was thinking bad breath. Mm. So I'm going to say wearing glasses. Ooh. Because usually, I don't know if this is still true, but usually people think you're smart if you wear glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that. I like that too. Me too. Yeah, that's uh, totally rational. Fun. Makes sense, but it's not the answer. Oh. Nope. <laughs> Michelle. I'm going to say the thing that I always look at and judge, sadly, is, so just know, next time you guys talk <laughs> to me. Michelle's a judger. Is your teeth. Ooh. I all, I, when I'm looking at you talking, I'm not looking at your eyes. I'm looking at your face, but I'm looking at your mouth. Michelle is looking at our teeth. And I'm judging your teeth. Wow. No. Damn it. But... Okay, good answer. But we have a caller. We it's also call- good. It's also very good to know now. Yeah, it's very good to know. <laughs> you guys have great teeth. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> Michelle says now as we all close our mouth. Hmm. Um, we're going to go to Valeta in California. Valeta, what is your answer? Hi, Valeta. Uh oh, Valeta got. Hi. How are oh, you? there I'm you are. Sorry. There you are. No, no. <laughs> what is your answer? My answer would be your parents and greetings. Your can you can you? It's very specific. Can you get more specific, Valeta? I would say hi, Valeta. Hi, how are you? I would say your parents. Oh, can you turn your radio down, Valeta, in the background? Okay, great. Um, I would say your parents and greetings. And when I say greeting, because it's a, a, a fashionable way that you greet a person, and your appearance at the same time. It's really noticeable how a person approaches you. So it does have something to do with your appearance. It does. But it's very specific. And it's not eye contact. It is not eye contact. So Smile? 
So nope, but your 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 uh, yo, Dion just he's it's harsh true. with that. Dion is harsh with that buzzer. Hey, things happen. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But thank you for giving us a call later on Career Talk Series XM one thirty two. We're gonna go to Monty in Montana. Bring us home, Monty. Hello, this is Monty. Hi, Monty. When you Hello. When you walk into a room, you can command instant respect by your posture yes you can the The power pose do you do the wonder woman monty uh for a guy i just i just square my shoulders and uh i don't slouch chin down a little bit and uh just walk taller walk taller do you have do you have to swagger swagger (laughs) uh yeah you could put on a, a bit of a uh, Tom Cruise or a Ooh. or a James Bond. Tom, do you, okay. This is great, by the way. The I'm Wonder Woman this. is for women. The Tom <laughs> Tom Cruise James Bond is for. I mean, you sound like an authority on this, Monty, which is why I'm kind of pressing because I think you're absolutely right. Your posture is going to make a difference. That's not the the answer to this. Mm. So, oh, Dion's yeah, Dion's harsh with the buzzer, but but I think you're spot on that that yeah. Need to have a good posture. Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk Monte eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Okay, Raymond, you have to bring us home on this, but we've had plenty of answers, so this should should narrow it down for you. And you said the mouth was close. No, the teeth wasn't. I said close. appearance was close. She's being nice. Appearance was close because <laughs> it is visual. Because it's something you can see. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And no one remembers, this is career talk. This is a quiz that's going to have a somewhat obscure really? answer. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I've, said, I'm, I've begged. I've begged our listeners to send in better questions than I can make up. <laughs> I've begged them. <laughs> Please send me better quiz questions. So it's not your hair, color of your hair? Just guess it all, Raymond. Just actually, guess all of them. Actually, I, that is that is not right. But but mm. you said the word, so I mean, wow. if we were on Family Feud, you might Eye get color. that. No, oh no, but it is actually the color you're wearing. When mm. people meet for the first time, the vast majority of their first impressions are made up of color recognition and association. So studies suggest that those who consistently wear neutral or black colors make fewer positive impressions, but those who wear brighter colors make better first impressions and for dating red for women blue for men um supposedly so color but i found this to be interesting too this is just a a quiz bonus but what is the world's favorite color favorite color dion what is the world's the, the there's a favorite color of the world like the entire like the whole thing the entire world loves uh, this color more than any other color fuchsia fuchsia <laughs> Okay, I'm going to give you a hint. It's one of the eight basic colors you find in Crayola. Um, red. I yeah. was going to say orange. Michelle? Blue. Michelle gets it. Oh. Yay! Yay! Despite the many differences in culture, blue is by a whopping 40% the favorite color. Second goes to purple, and that's only at 14%. So... We're learning lots about color. <laughs> I knew it. It wasn't a guess at all. I Michelle, totally knew that. Michelle knew it, even though she went third. But uh, <laughs> all the other primary colors had been taken. Yeah, all the, I know. Well, and yellow causes dizziness and nausea, so you'll never see yellow on an airplane interior. So you've learned a lot about color today for, for everybody who is 
you know, listening to career talk to specifically learn about So I was color. looking at your book, and I see it's orange, so mm-hmm. I figured there was a reason why it was orange and not blue. Yep, but I like Halloween. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. The actual original cover was blue, actually, and I was like, blue's not doing it for me, but had I known that 40% of the world is looking for blue, maybe I would have changed my mind, but probably not, because it has to be aligned with your brand. Absolutely. I like the orange. All right. Thank you, Raymond. Raymond likes it. Check. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk. We are here live if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, taking your calls all hour. You can talk about colors. You can talk about your job search. We probably prefer your job search, but we'll we'll talk to you about color as well. Hey, so we talked about networking and Raymond, I'm just going to say, we said it earlier about this has to be a part of your daily life now. This is not optional. There's this, you've heard the term social capital or, you know, um, it's it's a currency now. Absolutely. Who you know. And this is, it has to be part of your brand. So you need this relational currency in today's market because it's changing so quickly. And people still tie networking to a transaction related to the job search. And you need to step away from that. You need to make it something that you just do on a regular basis. But that's overwhelming to people. So what actions, like for for those of of us who maybe are just starting on this and dipping our toe in the water, what are just some easy ways to get started making networking a part of your daily life? Well, I will tell you, when I worked in HR early in my career, I got so like involved in work. I didn't really know anyone outside of work. And it wasn't until I started my company in 2008 that someone said, do you belong to any HR associations? And I'm like, well, sure. But outside of that, no. And they said, you're starting a company and you're not involved in your local association. And so I got involved with PSPS, which is the Philadelphia Society of People and Strategy here in Philadelphia. And I started with just getting involved on the membership committee and just helping out. And from there, I got, you know, further and further responsibilities. I got on the board. And so the advice there um, is not so sometimes people think of networking as just going out and meeting people. And many people, especially technical, engineering, IT, they don't like to network. And so I would say get involved, create a job where you're giving back. And then networking just comes out of that, and you'll start meeting people, and you'll start building relationships outside of work. And so I would say how you approach that is generally you know, how, what you should be thinking about. So really just expanding. So if your schedule is to get up, go to work, talk to the people in your department, you know, go home, then you need to add to that is what oh, absolutely. you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about that. If you go to work, if you work in a large corporation, I mean, one of the things that you can start doing is you could kind of make a game out of it. You could say, okay, once a month, I'm going to go to lunch with somebody I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find somebody interesting or maybe somebody I've crossed paths with or maybe somebody I, I you know, see in a meeting twice a year and I'm just going to get to know them better. So informational interviewing is definitely the biggest way to get exposure. Yeah, and let's not call it that anymore. I'm, I'm kind of tired like that? of that term. But, but it, it's just, it's it. You get information, and you can kind of talk about it as an interview. But it's it's really about just getting to know somebody, being curious, sharing about yourself. I mean, let's just let's call it what it is. Like sometimes, if you're making networking a way of life, it just. Hey, Raymond, what do you do? What are you interested in? What do you like? What music do you like? Where do you travel? Like just being genuinely interested. 
in another human being and, and making time for that, whether it's coffee for a half hour, whether it's uh, maybe you stand on the soccer sidelines watching your kids play soccer and, you, you know, you have small talk. Why not get deeper? Why not say, you know, hey, Raymond, I, we stand here every every week. I really don't know what you do. What do you do? And then share what you do. I mean, just really stepping into a deeper conversation than mm-hmm. what's on the surface. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk Series XM 132. We're going to go to Monica in Arizona. Welcome to the show, Monica. Hi, Dr. Graham. Hello. Um, hi. I had a question because I'm in the process of switching jobs. And this morning during the interview, they asked me if I knew anyone that works in the company. Um, now, I do know a couple of people, uh, but I know a former colleague went to uh, went to work for this company, and he was involved in the primer, prior company that we worked. He was involved in a harassment uh, claim that ended up going to the EEOC, and I was one of the primary witnesses on on that case. And I know that he doesn't know I did this, and you know I said this, and I this was my uh, results of the interview. I know he doesn't know that directly, but I know he might have some suspicions. And I didn't disclose that to the recruiter, um, but I did mention that I did knew a couple of people that I have actually told them go and apply over there and get a job there. You'll be fine. You'll do great. And they have actually gone there. They've done great. <laughs> okay. So, you, so um, yeah, so I see this this being sticky. So you applied to a company. They asked you if you knew any of the employees there. You know somebody who is involved in a in a lawsuit type deal, and you're worried that if they find out that, that you knew that person or was involved in that, that that might be held against you. Is that? Is that? Yes. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Now, um, so you basically told them on the interview this morning that you you knew some people, but you didn't name names. Correct. Okay, so so what is your concern now? Uh, my concern is um, that if they throw the names out there of the people that, oh, yeah, you know, we are interviewing such and such, um you know, well, I guess I can't control this because they say, let's say they, you know, they say, oh, yeah, we're interviewing such and such. And he says, what? Oh, no. Don't yeah. So, so you're, yeah, you're afraid that it's going to come back to haunt you. Um, or they might look at your LinkedIn and they might see your LinkedIn with that person. I mean, there's a lot of ways they probably could get that information. But I think, I think one of the things you mentioned is that uh, if they're doing that sleuthing behind the scenes and they're going to decide to hold that against you, then that is out of out of your control to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they asked you, and that's not an odd question because sometimes company ask, companies ask because they want to know you did your research and who do you know in the company and maybe they want to go talk to that person for a referral. So that's not an unusual thing and it's always good to know people in the company. But in this case, that person has a negative brand and you're worried about being associated with it. Well, the other thing I was thinking about is the fact that you just told the truth because they're going to find something out regardless. And there's a lot of questions that job seekers get asked as part of the application, whether, you know, you were in you committed a crime or you were ever 
you know, arrested, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of questions and things that you may be faced with. And so the fact that you said, yep, I know people, you can't control the outcome of that, but at least you went in, you know, transparent about that. And hopefully it works out to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's one of those difficult situations that, you know, this may not be the company for you right now. If those people who are involved in that lawsuit are still there and they're concerned about, about your involvement, because it happened. It happened. You can't go back and, and make it unhappen. Um, so I agree with Raymond. The best you can do is tell the truth. Now, I like what you did. You said, I know people. You don't have to give them too much information. I mean, so you you didn't lie, but you didn't go over the top and over explain and get defensive about it. You say, sure, I know people. So I think you did the right thing with that. Um, Monica, good luck with this. This is an unfortunate situation that you're in, but you, you're doing the exact right thing. And we're fingers crossed that this won't be impacted on on your candidacy for this company. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM Channel 132. And we are here with Raymond Lee, the CEO of Career Minds, talking about the current market, the future market, the past market, and especially what people need to do today to set themselves up for a great career. And we are talking specifically about networking, which I know people are out there rolling their eyes because you're tired of hearing about it. But companies aren't even, um, they want to know who you know. They want to be introduced. They want to know that that they've heard your name. And here's here's the thing. If you think about how people hire, if you're out there and you're, you've hired, the first thing you do when you think about hiring is you go to the people you know, maybe somebody you've worked with previously to see if they want to join you. Maybe your your contacts and say, hey, do you know anybody great for this job? If that doesn't work, maybe you, you extend to your organization. Maybe you put a job out in your organization. If that doesn't work, then maybe you will put a job ad on the company website to attract people who are particularly interested and hungry to be in your company. If that doesn't work, that's maybe when you go to Indeed or or go online. And so think about the types of jobs that are making it to that outer circle. I mean... It's pretty... Yeah, it's exhausting. I've heard a number of people say, I was on Indeed and they search for a sales job or some other position, and all of a sudden all these crazy jobs start coming up, and they start getting alerts about jobs that aren't even relevant to mm-hmm. to what they do. And the other thing, Dawn, is sometimes companies just put jobs out there because they want to fill their database with candidates. There's no intention of going to you know, the candidates mm-hmm. within, you know, with that apply to those jobs as a first, you know, like the first pass. And then they're going to do all those things that you had said, and then they'll figure out, okay, maybe we'll go to the online applicants. Or worse, they have an identified internal applicant, but they need to go through these processes for legal reasons. And you are excited about this job and you're getting to the final round. I've even seen people flown to a company to get interviewed when the company had an internal person all along and had no intention. And that is devastating. So, hey, networking will open the doors to possibilities that that you just couldn't have imagined. And Raymond, this hour goes by so quickly, especially when you're here giving great magic advice. Magic happens. Yeah, the magic <laughs> happens. So can you tell us one last time where people can find you? It's great to be here, Don. Thanks for having me. Um, find me on LinkedIn, Raymond Lee with Career Minds, and we're online at careerminds.com. Yep, and if you reach out on LinkedIn, make sure you send a personal note. Personal note. I won't accept unless there's a personal note. Say you were on with Dr. Dawn Graham, you learned about switchers, learned about networking, and I'll accept. Yeah, and, and Raymond's also partial if you, you know, give him a good title like like career expert or guru or, you know, Prince Raymond. 
well, I wouldn't go as far as that, but sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's always fun to have you here Thank in you. studio. Raymond Lee, you're awesome. Michelle and Dion, you make this so fun. And we all know Dion's wearing a bright green shirt today. So, so we like him even more based on our pre-break quiz. Uh, you've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM channel 132. You've been listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Also on Instagram, at Dr. Don Graham. So come see us behind the scenes there and we will see you next time.